You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. This is Ahanu, and we have virtual Angel Rose with us today. This is a throwback to 2012 when all the excitement around the Mayan, the end of the Mayan calendar and all the potential that that held for us. And the raw feed under the name of Godlike Productions interviewed Angel Rose back then. And we kept a recording of it and with their permission, we are replaying it for you today. Simple reason being there is so much wonderful quality in this. There's so many beautiful answers to the questions that they asked her. So we've broken this into two parts simply because it is such a long interview. It was originally a two-hour interview. So here we present to you part one, and in a separate recording, we will bring you part two. So stand by and have a listen to this. Good evening to everyone in the auditorium, to those listening in on the live streams. Welcome to GLPBC's The Raw Feed Live. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd, 2012. Our guest this evening is Angel Rose O'Grady. Angel Rose has over 35 years of metaphysical and psychic experience. She held a private practice in Chicago for over 20 years and since 2007 has expanded her practice throughout the United States and Ireland. She has also transformed the lives of countless people through her workshops and classes in uh, manifesting and uh, self-healing. Exploring the planes of existence after death, beginning through uh, advanced tarot, healing spreads and much more. Angel Rose was, uh, has also worked with wells and dolphins, sacred sites, sacred geometry, planetary psychic, uh, planetary physics, I'm sorry folks, and the 2012 personal ascension process. Now, in psychic laser therapy, uh, Kathara healing, soul retrieval, Reiki, cellular repattering, and reading the Akashic records and more. Uh, tonight we will be discussing her book and a lot more, A Time of Change. Uh, you can read more about our guest in the pinned thread here on GodlikeProductions.com, or you can navigate your browser over to AngelRose.com. Uh, tonight's guests, or I mean tonight's VC team, we have Fenn, executive producer, Jay, audio streaming podcast engineer, JDO associate producer, Isis and Kingman, they're going to be uh, taking live questions, and of course myself, 2342, a.k.a. William Wallace Doppelganger. How the heck are you doing, Angel? Thank you so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. It was nice to meet you all. Hey, we're really glad you've made it. And we've got a full house in the auditorium as well. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of questions in the second hour. Um, okay. I, I want to jump right in because you've got a ton of information to give us. And I went through your information on your website. And I'm very hum, uh, very humbled after I read that you've got over 35 years of uh, research into the uh, the esoteric uh, and some of these uh, different hermetics and uh, metaphysical practices, and I was hoping you could tell us a bit about your work and your research that you've done over the past 35 years and who you've drawn a lot of your inspiration from. Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, I basically started when I was 19 years old, um, not from any of my own personal desire. I actually had a tragedy in my life at that time, and I uh, started asking all kinds of questions about life after death. I had someone very close to me pass away very tragically. So it got me asking questions. Uh, up until that point, I would have been content to be a mom and raise children. So that whole 
event changed my life, and as I look back on it, um, I certainly believe it was destined to happen that way. But anyway, um, I met my first teacher through my first psychic reading that I had, and um, she started letting me just ask all kinds of questions. She got me started. It was a, a very positive and uh, powerful mentor. And then I just took off on my own. I could, anything I could get my hands on that had to do with uh, consciousness and thought and the other worlds beyond death um, just took me on a journey that has lasted, uh, well, let's see, probably 40-something years now. I first taught myself to read the tarot. Um, I just practiced and practiced and practiced, and then I naturally evolved into psychic fairs, and then I became a teacher of the tarot. And, you know, I meditated with the tarot, so I learned a lot of virtues from the major arcana and learned how to heal with the cards. So, you know, I naturally extended that to teaching classes to people who were interested from beginner level all the way up, you know, through the healing part. Uh, those were the predominant readings that I did for others, too. I I did the tarot for a number of years, 35 years. And uh, during that time, too, you know, I moved around a bit. I went through various relationships. Uh, I got into rebirthing and had uh, became a rebirther and did my own uh, sessions, of course, with my own coach and went into... Well, you know, with that whole thing with physical immortality with Leonard Orn and Sandra Ray and Baba G, uh, that was that was a huge um, changing point in my life because I started working, you know, started questioning myself, started questioning my beliefs, and I just uh, learned to become very self-honest with my feelings and what I really thought about things. So that began you know, ventured into a whole um, journey into transformational writing and manifesting and seeing how how my thoughts really did create my life and my beliefs and even even just through journaling I'd end up in past lives and I would look at some of those past lives and say, Well no wonder no wonder this is happening to me now or no wonder this person's treating me this way. And I definitely got to see the cause and effect relationship between my own consciousness and my relationships and the things that were going on in my life. So I extended that to teaching transformational writing classes to people who are interested in knowing themselves at those levels. So when you ask me who inspired me, I have to say that I had various teachers along the way and I I even, it just seemed that I was led to the next teacher or the next person. And there was a time in my life also where um, Archangel Raphael came into my life. And that was not sought out by me. That was at a time, I'd say when I was early on in my path, I was meditating uh, daily when my children would take naps. And I'd be brought on all these journeys into all these other worlds and dimensions, and um, certainly was being taught all about inner alchemy and the whole esoteric or mystical inner transformation of our soul's journey through our various lives and back home. But uh, this angel 
actually appeared to my first teacher that I mentioned previously, and I hadn't spoken to her in two years, and I had had just gotten some material um, in my home, and she knew nothing about it, but uh, apparently Archangel Raphael appeared to her her class, and everybody saw this angel appear, and it said that uh, to tell me that I had information in my possession that wasn't what I thought it was, and I was to burn it right away. Well, I knew what the information was because I had only bought that particular um, well, that particular material, and that I was only to call on Raphael from now on, you know, from that point on. <clears throat> So I did that, and that proceeded to be five years of uh, esoteric training through different symbols and uh, archetypes and uh, journeys into, again, other worlds. So, uh, you know, I have those books to transcribe at some point. They're buried in my storage unit. But that was a huge, huge part of my life. But what I did notice about it is that... um, I wasn't really able to integrate that high esoteric information into my 3D world. And at the time, I was raising three small children. So I got into the Course in Miracles. Um, You know, I switched gears, mainly because I I had a meditation that, uh, you know, I dematerialized, actually, in the meditation. And it scared me a bit. I uh, wondered, you know, what would happen if I did that again and couldn't get back. Um, so I, I just stopped meditating. That was after three years of intense meditation. So went into the Course in Miracles and studied that for quite a number of years. And as you know, you don't ever be done studying that material. Right. So went to various study groups and learned all about that and... Um, so then I got into healing work, and that came that came through a dream where these beings came to me and told me I was part of the Rainbow Bridge and I was a, a healer in this time. And uh, I woke up the next morning and my hands were burning and someone called and said they were told to attune me to all the levels of Reiki for free. So I did that, but I still never had any kind of clients. We we would just meet, practitioners would meet and give it to give Reiki to one another. So during that time after Reiki, uh, I went into a lot of other healing modalities, but uh, there was a point in giving Reiki to one another where I looked down at the person on the table and instead of, instead of just seeing a normal person, suddenly I was seeing them dressed in past life clothing and one person would be dressed in Native American clothes, another person would lay down and they'd have a bullet wound in them from another life. So I said, wow, what is all this stuff I'm I'm seeing here? It was almost like my etheric sight just turned on suddenly one day, as if on cue. And of course, uh, a month later, the teacher appears that taught me how to do um, the psychic laser, which is really a type of psychic surgery. Uh, I don't go in the body, let's say like John of God would, but it's it's a theric field clearing all around the body and the light fields around the body, which is where people hold their karmic imprint. It's all held in those layers. So that was a 10-year healing practice, 
where all I did, as soon as I learned how to do that, my phone didn't stop ringing, and that's all I did for 10 years, was clear people's fields, and learned learned all about compassion by seeing what people were carrying uh, with them, and realized that uh, nobody is the way they are without a reason, you know, once you see what they're carrying. And anything, you know, very bizarre types of stuff, um, Really bizarre things people would carry in their field. I've got to say too, everything that you're you're telling me here is stuff that I have read about um, in in different books. Like uh, one in particular that comes to mind was uh, written by uh, Michael Talbot called the Holographic Universe, and he was you know he talked about uh, he did a lot of research on after death exper- or near death experiences where people would light beings and uh and he also did a lot of work on people that had what you might call um you know superhuman type abilities uh and and some people would get into meditation so much that they would dematerialize like you're like you're talking about so i incredible have you so it sounds to me like you you were born with uh the gift of really being able to tap into your sixth sense because it hasn't been suppressed what i am wondering is Oh, you know, the 30 years of research that you did, and, or 35 years, and, and uh, different meditational practices. I mean, were you studying uh, a particular uh, applications, uh, like hermetics, uh, or, you know, I mean, as far as your meditation goes, were you focusing on one particular thought? Were you, were you focusing on nothing at all, so you would just completely dissolve yourself? Or, you know, were you using, what type of techniques did you use and do you use to get to that level? That's incredible. Okay, well, honestly, it wasn't anything that complicated. You know, really what I did when my children were taking naps, I, li- I just went in and laid down on my bed and called my higher self to me and said, teach me. And I never went into meditation with the purpose of emptying my mind or coming to that still point. I wanted to learn, and I um, practiced, you know, at first, at first, I didn't have any visuals at all. Nothing would happen. You know, I might have just gotten calmer or maybe got very relaxed. But after a few weeks, uh, I started seeing certain colors. And then after that, I started, symbols would appear to me in front of my face. So I went and bought a dictionary of symbols and tried to piece together the messages because the symbols would come, um, you know, in a time sequence. You know, I'd see certain things first, like a chalice, which would lead to salmon colors, which would, you know, go toward uh, something else, like a staircase. And so I started to read the symbols and obtain the messages um, that I felt I was receiving through the progression of the symbols. And after that, and they even took me through the sacraments, you know, I was brought up Catholic and uh, had left the church for the same reason a lot of people leave the church. And, uh, but instead they were taking me through those sacraments as a spiritual path, an esoteric, an inner mystical path. So I, I got to understand things at a really different level. And then, uh, years later, you know, after it went from symbols, and then all of a sudden it went to telepathy. It went to messages. And then after that, I was guided by beings who would take me to these different levels. And there were certain levels where they would tell me that I could not go there. 
at that time I wasn't ready and uh, they would take me on these journeys. And, uh, and to me that was, I think I understand what a mystic is now, that that's what happens to a mystic. It's an inner, it's an inner journey um, into your inner temple, but it encompasses the symbolisms in the universe that we take for granted. So that, that went on for a long time, but honestly, I didn't practice any techniques. I just went in and asked to be taught, and I waited. And I kept doing it every day until um, I had results. And then there was a point, once Raphael started teaching me, where he actually, I say he, but it was really an androgynous being, um, gave me a three-hour vision of the creation of the universe. And uh, that's all that's all in the books. I couldn't repeat it to you now because what happens when you're in those meditations and you're having those journeys, it's not like you're just being taken to a place. You're actually becoming those places. You're becoming those experiences. You're going to different spheres that are all really contained within yourself. So um, that's how I that's how I did that. Now, like I say, during this whole period of time that we're talking about, I did learn uh, different healing modalities, which of course uh, cleared things from me, healed things in me. Um, I did sound wave therapy. I did cellular repatterning. Uh, you know, with the psychic laser, I learned Kathara, which was working on the inner template of the body, and that took up uh, a good portion. Of, of my practice in my life as well. So in between the healing sessions, uh, having my own, giving them to others, uh, teaching different classes, anything that I felt I could give that would help people, you know, tap into their own inner self, uh, I did it. You know, anything I learned that it, that propelled me forward, I turned into a class. Well, and I saw also on your website that you're certified for uh, psychic laser therapy. And uh, what exactly does that entail? I mean, how do you get a certification for that? And, um, you know, for, for those that understand the, the different levels of uh, consciousness, I guess you could say, because obviously in this physical uh, plane of existence that we're in, it's a much more dense relational form uh, as far as the energy goes. When you get into these higher levels like what you're seeing, uh, it, it's really the, the beginning of a lot of time when people get disease. Uh, it, it starts from the, the mental plane and it moves down into the physical plane. So it sounds like you're, you're confirming that. And, I mean, how, how do you get to be astute enough to be able to work with people's, you know, uh, astral bodies or ethereal bodies? Yeah. Let me back up a little bit. I just want to say that from what I've learned, the um, problems actually come from the spiritual plane of ourselves, not the mental. You know, that was something that Source explained through the records. And I had always been of the opinion as well that a lot of problems came from the mental plane, but actually Source explained to us that our spirits can actually go through trauma and can hold on to that trauma through various incarnations, and and it cascades down to the other bodies from there. So I just wanted to, to mention that. Well, and I'm glad you said that because a lot of times when I say that the mental plane, I'm actually referring to the, the spiritual plane. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's language, you know. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, um, 
Could you read, tell me your question again? I got off track a bit. I know you're asking me something about uh, how do you work with people. <laughs> right. Well, the, the, the psychic laser therapy that you do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sounds, some people might look at that and say, wow, you know, that sounds kind of new age or hocus pocus. Um, huh? People that aren't informed, uh, you know, enough on the subject or just maybe they're skeptical, which is good too, healthy skepticism. I mean, how, sure. how do you overcome that and say, hey, this really, you know, is effective, um, it really does work, and this is how. Okay, well, you know, first off, I have to say that, you know, that particular sight, the ability to see inside somebody's energy fields, um, is something that, of course, everyone has. And the way it turned on for me uh, just was one day, and I honestly believe that whatever my contract is, in this lifetime, I'm not really clear that all that it involved, but it seemed to me that things were arranged to happen to me or turn on for me, you know, on cue at particular times, all of a sudden, one day. It wasn't that I did any kind of practice to turn on that particular psychic site. It just occurred, but it occurred after years of me, you know, clearing my own belief patterns, and I, and I do think that that is probably what really um, unroots or, you know, gets people down to their basic abilities, which everybody has. I just think they're camouflaged and covered, you know, by perceptions and beliefs. So, you know, for someone who has a, a laser treatment, a psychic laser treatment, you know, they're coming because they're aware that they've got blockages or they may not understand, you know, why... They keep getting thwarted with different things in their lives, or why do they have an ache and, ache and a pain in an area when they've gone to doctors who can't find anything? So, you know, when someone has a treatment like that, you're adjusting their energy fields, and they do feel it. They all feel lighter immediately. They feel like a weight's been lifted off them. They understand themselves better. And because because you're doing that, it's also uncovering um, lots of karma. You're, you're really, you're really cutting away lifetimes of karma for the person. And you know the way Source has taught me is that that's the law of forgiveness and grace. It's higher than the law of karma. So because I knew how to do it and I could see, I was really quote unquote forgiving people of a lot in their past. And so we could relate it in terms of frequency that once a person has those things released from them, they see differently. Suddenly, they, life doesn't look the same. They don't feel the same. Things manifest faster. I mean, I have had illnesses disappear, and of course, can't claim that, but it's what's happened. So, you know, for the skeptic, you know, who doesn't know if they believe in all of that, you know, really isn't my job to prove it to them, to be honest, because it's an evolution in a person's consciousness, what they're ready for. But well, I've seen graphs of uh, with Carolian photography where you can clearly see, you know, some structures will uh, give off uh, some type of energy that can be picked up with these cameras that the, you know, uh, naked eye won't pick up because it's only seeing 0.01% of the electromagnetic light spectrum. So, and, and what you're talking about is you had to let go of your conditioning and your, your mind patterns that, that blocked, you know, a lot of what's naturally available to people but they've built these blocks around these abilities that they have because of 
whether it be their upbringing or, you know, friends or family or a combination of everything, telling them they can't do it, shouldn't do it, whatever, you know, if they're raised in a religious atmosphere where if you can, like, uh, for example, I've got a friend that uh, uh, her grandma actually was able to, like, see people uh, when she would close her eyes. And, uh, you know, they could be uh, far, far away, and it scared her so bad, and she was such a religious person that she just quit doing it because she felt like doing something evil. So it's just interesting how, you know, different uh, blockages that really give you the ability to do these things can be created just by, you know, somebody telling you that it's that it's bad or it's it's evil or wicked, when in reality, everybody's given these gifts and, and to right. you know, tap into them like what you did. It sounds to me like you just really asked your higher self or your guardian angel to give you these abilities and you put the time and work and effort into it and now... Uh, you're, you're giving it back to the world and you're, you're helping uh, heal people. And that brings me to the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, sylphs. Um, I've read a lot of work uh, by Franz Barden and I first discovered what sylphs were, these like energetic parasites that would latch onto people uh, by them just continually having a bad thought or negative emotions that actually creates these energy forms. Is that, uh, have you seen a lot of that with people that you work with? Yes, in fact, uh, when I've done a lot of psychic laser, there's times when you're in there and you're you're seeing snakes in people. Um, that's not uncommon. You can see an abdomen full of black snakes, for example, or a stomach full of them, and you know that they're negative thought forms that have actually materialized inside the person. And I've also been shown that, you know, we could have a big discussion about orbs, how people are seeing orbs everywhere. But orbs are very interesting because many times, and not all the time, because a lot of times they are uh, beings from different dimensions, but many times they are our own thought forms. And I actually got to see how when we think it does actually go into a sphere or a bubble as a thought form. And if you imagine, you know, you go to collective consciousness and you say, all right, uh, how many negative thoughts is a is an individual thinking, you know, per minute. And then how many thoughts, negative thoughts, is the world thinking? And all these thought forms are going up and they're floating around and they get attached to this person or that person and that person adds to it with their negativity. And before you know it, it is its own living uh, thought form. You know, it's alive. We're going to take a quick studio break right here. Remember, you are listening to an interview from the Raw Feed Live with Godlink Productions. We're interviewing Angel Rose about everything that was going on at the time in 2012 and the ending of the Mayan calendar. We will be right back after this break. Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you join worldofempowerment.com today a website of practical spirituality for your fast changing world worldofempowerment.com ahanu's book the reincarnation of columbus is his true story of the loss of his first child his pain and struggle with grief and the guilt that followed it forms his entire philosophy of life and is a superb rendering of the unfolding of spiritual awareness. The reincarnation of Columbus is a true epic voyage from the pain and sorrow of a father's grief to a new world of empowerment, love, and forgiveness. Get your copy on Amazon.com or on Kindle for 2 dollars 
by searching for A-H-O-N-U, or visit http colon slash slash thereincarnationofcolumbus.com. That's all one word, thereincarnationofcolumbus.com. You know, I think that's how things get created out there, that, you know, a lot of these entities, for example, you know, of course, there's different varieties of entities as well. There are people who, you know, die and are disincarnate souls and we're not happy or not at a great level, and they hang close to the earth and they attach to people um, when there's a weak spot. But there's also that entities that are our own negative thought forms that have come alive. And uh, it really does, you know, brings it, it all does come back to our own personal responsibility to be looking at what we think and believe and perceive. Because, you know, the mind works so fast that, you know, I don't know how many thoughts you think in 60 seconds, but, you know, you swing from positive to negative to positive to negative all the time. And, you know, to become conscious of that is a discipline in and of itself. And that's what a lot of the the writing classes are about, is to really get people to take a look at what are they really thinking and believing when they're, you know, driving their kids to school and they're not conscious that they're even thinking at all. Okay, so definitely uh, entities, negative thought forms can attach to people. They they live inside the body as well as in the, you know, different dimensional planes outside. And uh, we all contribute to that, every one of us. <laughs> and you, you can tap into... Uh, the Akashic Records, um, some people that I've talked to say they can do the same. Um, you know, I have always felt that it's more of a, not something you're going to see, uh, but if you want to tap into certain information, you can, you can do it more at a subconscious level and it'll kind of come out through you. Um, but I mean, when you're, when you're tapping into the Akashic Records, are, are you like literally seeing a screen with your, you know, third eye, and it's you know, it's it's showing you scenes of what's going to happen, or uh, is it more of uh, you're you're just you know, it something like sounds or like voices are coming in your head. They're saying, okay, this is uh, you know, fourteen, two thousand twenty-six. Uh, there's going to be a catastrophe. And it's going to be. I mean, what is it like for you? Excuse me. It's not quite like that for me. Um, I know about the TV screen you're speaking of, but that's not the way that I receive the information. When I'm in the Akashic Records and I'm getting information, um, let me back up and say, before I actually learned how to read them consciously, uh, they would open for me spontaneously when I'd be in meditation. My own records would open. And at that point, it would appear that I was in a huge library, just millions and millions of books. And I'd be taken up a staircase and brought into a particular room and there was my book and they'd show me either a lifetime in it or uh, some some piece of information about myself. But it was always designed uh, around forgiveness, you know, something unreconciled from another life or, you know, just a, a piece of info I needed. So I, I went and I took a course to learn how to open them consciously. So when I do... As soon as it really is done through a particular sacred prayer, 
And as soon as I, literally as soon as I'm finished, I'm in this vast field of information. I'm no longer in the library. I don't see the library, but I'm just in a, a vast universe, unlimited universe of information. And, you know, when a person asks a question or I'm given a private reading, you're immediately, if you're doing a private reading, you're immediately into those, that person's records. And it, you know, when I open it and, uh, there's information for them. Sometimes it's uh, just a scene of past lifetimes that relate to their life today or what their contract is. Other times it'll begin with a certain beam of color. And the color, I found through doing these readings that colors are information. Colors are, uh, they definitely uh, impart messages. And then after we get through that, we start talking about their soul contract, and it will go back to other lives and show soul themes. But I actually receive it, um, it through color, through images, through telepathy, uh, through the information emotionally getting impressed upon my body. So I, it incorporates all those things all at one time. Wow. Yeah, that, that's incredible. So, I mean, you're, you're several... Uh senses are really picking up on it at once. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling. When, when you go into these uh, readings that you do um, with people and you tap into some of their previous lives, um, is it, does it sometimes shock you? Have you ever had an experience where you, you uh, were doing a reading for somebody in one of their past lives was, you know, somebody that we would consider like, you know, a, an icon in history or something like that? Well, I don't know that I've seen any famous people, but I have seen lifetimes in uh, people where they were uh, in positions of high authority, for example, okay, and uh, very spiritually advanced people sometimes, very holy people at times. So it's it's always interesting to me to see, I, th- I think the more interesting thing is to see people's soul progress to see how each lifetime does affect the, the next. Um, you can see what people, people's soul wants to, wants to accomplish in a particular life, and people don't always succeed at their soul contract. But you really get a really clear understanding of the way it works, that there is something important going on with every one of us, you know, something um, that an inner part of us wants to accelerate to or wants to upgrade to. And, you know, I'll see evil people. I mean, I can look at a person's past lives and see some real nasty stuff and see how it's affected them now. The other thing you can see is um, soul contracts are so interesting, especially in this time period that we're in, because many people uh, would think that we're, you know, the world is moving towards uh, this, this ascension, into lighter beings and greater paradigm shifts. But there are people who, let's say, in, in their last life, uh, they couldn't walk, for example. You know, their legs didn't work. And so their sole contract this life is, is just to be able to play sports, just to run. And you actually see how the template, you know, the spiritual template or the design, uh, those imprints get carried forward in each lifetime. And that that could be a victory for that soul just to do nothing other than be a runner, you know, or uh, excel in sports. And that's it. They're not here to do any kind of higher spiritual consciousness things that other people are. 
so I, it, it has it has humbled me in the sense of allowing me to really respect each person's um, journey. In fact, you know, I, I don't ever assume I know what's going on with somebody, okay? Because I, to me, it's like unless you can look at their soul and see what they're doing, you know, the whole idea of uh, judging another person just does not apply because you just can't know what they've been through, what they're doing, why they're struggling, you know, until you can see uh, their time stream. And in, in fact, the, one of the benefits of the records is that you can understand a bit of your own. You know, some people believe that we come in here forgetting on purpose. And I don't agree with that. I never did agree with that. I, to me, that never made any sense. I, I think we forget because we're, we're camouflaged with traumas from other lives. We're programmed through religions and all sorts of authority figures telling us this and that. And, and you know, we, we just forget. You know, we don't have the capacity to remember. But I think certainly there is a point where every soul is going to want to remember. And once you can remember your own time stream and you know what you're doing, then, you know, everything looks a bit different. You know, how you treat people is different. What you, the choices you make suddenly uh, become very obvious in terms of their implications and their consequences. So I just think, um, you know, there's so many benefits, like I say, uh, to getting in the records. In fact, just to, just to close on that particular question, when I learned my own, and I would get into my own for two, two, three weeks straight, you know, all I was shown was lifetime after lifetime after lifetime of things that weren't reconciled, not forgiven, even even small things in this lifetime where, let's say you're in high school and you're not nice to somebody, you they even had me feel what that person felt. It was like I was having a life review now. Wow. And it was it was like you couldn't even go further with dealing with anyone else until you could take a look at your own. You know. Yeah, I just wanted to interject real quick. What said right there is, uh, you know, for any skeptics out there, uh, has been well documented in many cases where people, uh, whether they've had a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience, uh, and they've met some of these, uh, what you might call light beings, or, you know, um, they would literally make them feel the emotions of others around them uh, that, you know, their entire life. And it was timeless because uh, they claim on the other side it is timeless. But I- I'm sorry to interject there. I just wanted to, to confirm what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it just makes you realize that, um, you know, the whole thing really, really is about becoming love. And I know that can sound very nebulous, but becoming love really, really does imply that that's all that you're made of. And all the other stuff that isn't that needs to be forgiven and forgotten and undone and uprooted because you don't ever really get to you know, what you mean and what it's all about until until that can happen. And there's degrees of it, of course. You know, I won't, won't claim that I never have a negative thought or judge anyone, you know. Of course I do. But I certainly catch myself a lot faster. And, um, you know, I had to learn some tough lessons, especially uh, I went through a divorce some years back. And my husband at the time was not a very nice character, and he was not good to the children. Um, so, you know, when we, when we divorced, I had my judgments, 
you know, I, I probably would have been somebody who would have thought karmically he'll get his at some point. Well, I quickly, quickly learned a, a real quick lesson because my guides came to me and told me that uh, I had to bless him every day. You know, that the only way to clear some of this negativity was I had to bless him every day. And, of course, when I heard that, I thought, no way, you know. <laughs> but I thought about it and knew it had to be a correct answer because I wouldn't have thought it up. And I started doing it, and instantly um, the cords that I still had just dissolved away. I became the benefactor of uh, of promotions he had and all sorts, which I didn't expect. But more than that, you know, I, I got a little bit of a slap across the face when Source came to me and said, you know, uh, I love him as much as I love you. And the only thing that will happen for him is that he'll keep getting more and more opportunities to realize, you know, to learn to love and to realize he is loved just like you. And and it was such a an awakening, you know, to think that, you know, we we have a tendency, and certainly I did, to think that if people really misbehaved and were mean, I mean, downright mean and abusive, that somehow karmically... Uh, they'd be called on the carpet. But, you know, what I was shown was, no, I forgive him as much as I would forgive you or anyone. And it's just made me, um, you know, that that was very humbling for me, you know, to realize that everyone's, all that really happens in God is everybody gets another chance. (laughs) Well, I would hope so, you know, and especially because... (laughs) So there's so many people out there that feel like um, they have to follow certain dogmatic practices in order to get to a, a certain level. But like you said earlier, everybody has their own path in this world, and uh, some people are just here to play sports. And I'm sure there's other people <laughs> to, to follow certain, uh, you know, doctrines. So I mean, it, it totally uh, makes sense. I think that's pretty cool the way you put it too. Uh, I, I really do. And um, I, with that said, I'd also like to ask you about some of these archangels that um, you, you are having an opportunity to uh, be in contact with. We've had other guests on here before that uh, have, have claimed um, to be able to do the same thing. And um, I know that you have the, the main archetypes uh, of certain uh, archangels. And uh, what I mean, how is it that so many people can tap into them all at once? I mean, do they can they just be... At, you know, a million places at one time because it's all holographic in theory anyway. And they're, you know, could, could you get into that? Because I think that's incredible. Yeah, you know, I I really only have had contact with Raphael. Raphael particularly showed up to be a teacher for me. And even to this day, I often ask myself, why that angel? You know, why not a different one? Especially because... At the time, um, it showed up as a protector for me. And most people would think Michael would be the protector, but no, it was Raphael. So I haven't had experience with any of the others. You know, Raphael was my teacher. That was that, okay? And um, it's still my teacher to this day and actually manifested proof twice. And uh, anyhow, so when other people, you know, say that they can talk to archangels or I really honestly can't speak for them. I know that Source has talked to us in the Akashic Records about the role of archangels and and that they really actually don't 
intermix with humanity as often as people think. That uh, they have specific missions given to them by source, and that each one of us instead has our own guardian angel, which is really the relationship that we all should be nurturing. So, you know, I, I can't speak for them. I don't know how authentic their claims are, um, and I wouldn't presume to know really. I, I can only tell you from my own experience that this angel showed up for a reason, uh, taught me, um, you know, I, I got me out of hot water is really what I can say and has been with me ever since, even though I don't consciously uh, work with Raphael anymore, but I, I'm aware of the presence, if you know what I mean. Sure, yeah. So I wish I could explain it to you, but I, I really am a bit suspicious of um, channeling and, you know, all that, but I can't really, uh, I really can't say what, what people are really tapping into because I, I don't know. Sure, sure, and I really appreciate your honesty. And um, also, when you were talking about some of these incredible uh, symbols that you see, and uh, what are they? I mean, uh, can you describe a few for us? Well, they could be basic things. Like, I think the first one that started out was a chalice, and, and sometimes the chalice would be filled with uh, certain types of liquid, sometimes golden, sometimes liquid silver. Um, I'd be staircases often appeared and they'd be made of different substances sometimes and that was always purposeful you know if you went up a wooden staircase as opposed to a crystal one and then there would be sound tones that you would hear as you walked up certain steps that would be different each time um, there would be amulets of different types that would appear in, in certain ways there would be um, staffs and um you know, swords and things like that that, you know, would, would appear in a sequence that would give you a message and it was up to me to decipher, you know, what the inner message was. And lots of colors, like I mentioned, and um, different beings that would appear with different, with different robes on. So lots of things like that, you know, waters, uh, deep waters, black waters that you wouldn't go towards, other things that would appear... Uh, like crystal, liquid crystals, so all types. But, you know, the point I'm making is that I believe that the symbolic world um, is, a, is a universal world that everybody can relate to. You know, you yourself, if you were to meditate as I did, you'd have your own language of symbols. You know, what would appear to you may not be what would appear to me. And right. in the sequence it would appear would be your own language. But I think everybody does have a part of them that definitely connects to symbols and has some sort of deep understanding. I also had manna come down one time. You know, we all remember the stories of manna in the Bible. I actually had, I was sick one day, I remember. I came downstairs in the middle of the night, I was so sick. And Raphael just sent down this manna. And it just went into every single cell and fed me, you know, so... But I think there is a whole world there of symbols that everybody relates to. In fact, you know, when I teach the Tarot, I have people do readings based on different symbols in the cards. But they pick the symbol. You know, they may pull a card and I'd say, all right, what symbol sticks out to you? They'd write it down and I'd say, well, you tell me, what does the number of that card mean to you? What's, what does the symbol mean? What does the color mean? 
And they do their own reading based on just working with their own association to those things because they'll say, well, I don't know what that number means. And I say, sure you do. If I say the number eight and the number nine, you're going to feel real differently about each one. And you write down your language, okay? And it's the same thing with the outer world. You know, if if we look at the outer world as an extension of our inner world, every single thing in a person's environment is a symbolic representation of something that they have associated with on an inner level. So, you know, to me, everything starts to look real different when you start to see the world that way. Yeah, great way to put it. Um, there's, there's several people in here in the auditorium right now that are wondering how they can tap into um, their spirit guides or, you know, be able to make contact with their holy guardian angel. I know... When we were talking earlier, you said that you really just started to, to ask for assistance, um, and I know uh, we've had guests on here before that have said the same thing, but there are certain works out there, I know, that will help you get to that level, but they're very difficult and they take a long time, such as, uh, are you familiar with uh, Abraham, the, uh, Abraham the Magi or Abraham the Mage uh, that was written in, the, I think, the 1400s? It's like a six-month process on how to actually get to that level to meet your uh, holy guardian angel. No, I'm not familiar with that. But, uh, you know, what I will say to everybody who really wants to learn is it's really just a matter of taking time out to sit quiet with yourself every day because that's what I did. You know, and I didn't sit up. I didn't have any mudra, you know. You know, there are all sorts of things out there. There are different tones that obviously can activate different parts. There are people who study those those particular ways. Uh, you know, my husband had gone through um, transcendental meditation. He he learned he got a, a chant, an inner chant that he did that took him to a certain place. But, you know, I can say to people that a simple way is you just get a notebook and a pen and you sit down with yourself and you say, okay, you know, I'm taking a look here at my my life. And if I could ask my higher self any question at all, what would I want to know? And then you go and you put it down and then you wait. You wait for an answer and you don't censor. I think the biggest thing people do is when they start to get an impression of some type, they say, oh, oh that's just my imagination or I'm making that up or, or that can't be true and you know, they may only get a piece of something. Like I mentioned for myself, I saw I saw a color first. That's all that happened. But you could have a tendency to say, "Oh, this isn't working. All I'm seeing is a color." But that's not that's not it. You see, because they're opening up their pineal gland and their third eye, and, and it's a it's a gland that if it hasn't been used, uh, the more you water it with your concentration and attention, the more it's going to open. So you you can start by just putting a question on a piece of paper and waiting for an answer. And sometimes it won't come right then. Sometimes you'll have a dream or sometimes two days later something will happen that you know relates to your question. And the more you do that and the more you pay attention, and really it's, it's, it's in a way it's deliberate concentration. You're putting energy, you're, putting, you're focusing your energy on a particular thing and waiting for the answer. And it will happen, okay? But... How long it takes is really up to each person. You know, I made a deliberate intention to take a particular time of day every day, and I went in and I, and I did it. Even now, um, I have to take the time, you know, to go in my room and either write 
or sit or go out and sit on, you know, under, I have a 77 degree pyramid, sit under that and take the time to commune with the sun or with nature around me. You know, so really, it really is, honestly, it's just a matter of putting your attention to it and not giving up. Nice. And you say you meditate under a, uh, a pyramid. Is that uh, built to Cheop specifications, uh, similar <laughs> to like uh, Patrick Flanagan uh, wrote about in his uh, book, Pyramid Power? It's not built for, for those specifications. What actually happened is we did a, a group Akashic record session. Now, I'll back up a little bit. We were reading David Wilcox's uh, source field investigations, and it, it came up in our group Akashic record session because there was a section in the book about pyramids. And one of our members said, well, gee, I used to build pyramids. And suddenly he started asking source all sorts of questions about, you know, what does a 52-degree pyramid do? What is a... What is a 60 degree? What is a 45 degree? And on and on we went in this one particular session. So we, we got to a point where we were asking about if you built a pyramid that was 77 degrees, what would happen? The next thing you know, uh, he built one. He built a huge, just a copper one. And he had built a big 60 foot and a big 45 degree and not a 60 foot, a 60 degree. I was like, dang, that's a pyramid. <laughs> We sat underneath them all and felt the different energies, and uh, the 77 degree was my favorite. And at one point, we did ask about an 80 degree, and I forgot, but that'll come out at some point in one of these books that I'm writing. But he didn't really make them to... Um, I think he had the angles on the ground the way they should have been, and it's, it's not me that knows that, but he built them according to the certain specifications. And we just experimented with them. And the, the 77 degree is absolutely awesome because as soon as you sat in it, you, you immediately got a feeling of being lightened. And I was very aware of, of it attracting old light. So that was my favorite. That's the one I felt the most comfortable in. And we took a small 45 degree and would put it over our vegetable bowl or our fruit bowl. And I, I ate an apple one day halfway, just stuck the other half under the 45 degree pyramid on the table and three weeks later, it still hadn't turned brown. <laughs> so, we, so we had fun playing with those, but uh, and that that's still a work in progress, to be honest. Well, and and you know, also what you're talking about about putting the apple underneath the pyramid and it lasted longer. I know that uh, back in the 40s, uh, somebody in the Ukraine or Czechoslovakia patented a, a razor blade sharpening uh, system that was made. Uh, two Cheops specifications, a little mini pyramid, and people would put their razor blades under there after they shaved, and they would get like two or three hundred uh, shaves off of just one blade. So it's pretty interesting yeah, how. <laughs> yeah, so interesting stuff. Um, but hey, let's let's jump on to the the next uh, topic here, and uh, we're all interested in your theories on uh, the extraterrestrial phenomena. Our space brothers? Are they our space brothers? Are they a fragment of our imagination? Are they interstellar beings? What are they? So there you go. We're going to leave you hanging with that question and leave you wait until next week when we will come back with part two of this session where Angel Rose does answer that question about our space brothers. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.